who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Vulgar History, a feminist women's history comedy podcast. My name is Anne Foster and today I've got an author interview to share with you. And this is an author, well it's Vanessa Miller. Her book is The American Queen. I don't want to be like coy about it. But as soon as I read about this book, and I think I say this in the interview, I was just like, what is this history? I'm so fascinated. And so I read the book and I really loved it. And I was excited when Vanessa agreed to be on the podcast because She's talking about an era in history that, from what I understand, is not much known, even in the region where it happened, which is North Carolina, South Carolina in the United States. So just we're going to talk about this in the podcast. But what her book, The American Queen, tells the story of is Queen Luella, who is the queen of the kingdom of the Happy Land, which was a kingdom that was established near the present day town of Tuxedo, North Carolina in Henderson County. So they acquired a whole lot of land, and we're going to talk about how that happened in this podcast coming up. But um, their kingdom extended from the state line of South Carolina up onto Flat Rock, an area just south of Asheville, North Carolina, where the region's mountain peaks, fertile valleys, mountain streams, and waterfalls drew many wandering soul to the land. And so this kingdom was around for several decades. I don't want to spoil the contents of her book and what happens to it, but it's a a forgotten story of um, Black American history. And I was really excited to have Vanessa come and talk to me about it. So Vanessa herself, um, she's a best-selling author, entrepreneur, playwright, and motivational speaker. She lives in North Carolina with her husband and family. And I'm just gonna, she's so passionate about this story, which really comes through when you read it. So here's my interview with Vanessa Miller about The American Queen. So, Vanessa Miller, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. 
So I wanted to just to tell you and I guess the listeners also, you know, I'm always keeping an eye out for new historical fiction books that I think would be interesting for me to read, first of all, but also that I think would be interesting to talk about on the podcast. And that's often people who are lesser known from history, but also historical events that are lesser known. And when I read the the little blurb about your book, which I have read, but just what caught my attention at first was like, what on earth is this story? I've never heard anything about this. So actually, because I think you write about this in the book, like in your, um, I forget if it's the prologue or the epilogue, but how did you come to learn about this history in the first place? I came to learn about the kingdom of the Happy Land people by simply by saying thank you to uh, another author who had given me an endorsement on my book, Something Good, Lisa Wingate. So I was coming back into traditional publishing. I asked her for an endorsement for my first book, Something Good, that I that I did when I came back into traditional publishing. And she said, I understand. I've been there. Let me take a look at the book. And we sent her the book and she was like, I loved it. Here's your endorsement. So I went back to her and I was like, thank you so much. And I happened to have just been reading one of her books and I told her how much I enjoyed that book. And she said, I learned about that book from a Facebook friend. She said, here's another story that a Facebook friend told me about. You might be interested in it. You know, she said, you live in North Carolina. This event happened in North Carolina. And so... I said, wait a minute. When when she sent it over, I said, are you giving this to me for me to um, look up? And she said, yeah, do your research and see if it's something you want to do. And I could not believe it. But she is just that giving, just that amazing. Uh, Lisa Wingate, I, I will forever sing her praises because she didn't have to tell me about this story. You know, not men, not many authors would. <laughs> and so I'm I'm forever grateful for that. And I began to research it and fell in love with this story about King William, Queen Luella. I, I I had to write it. I think that's so fascinating that this is something that happened near where you live and it was something that you had never heard about. Correct. And I believe that there are still a lot of people in North Carolina and South Carolina because they own land that spanned from one part of North Carolina to South Carolina. I believe there's still a lot of people in both areas that still don't know about this story. That's why I can't wait to get out and tell people about it. Mm -hmm. So just to, it's always hard to talk to people about um, their historical fiction novels because they want to talk about the book, but I don't want to give spoilers, you know, but we're talking about, so I thought if we focused just kind of on the history and stuff. So if you could Introduce to everybody, and maybe just explain the way that you discovered it. What was the Kingdom of the Happy Land? How how did it come about? The Kingdom of the Happy Land came about as formerly enslaved people left their plantation in Mississippi, and they they believed that that there was a promised land for them, that God had a land. That was for them. They didn't know where it was, though. And so their their whole journey was a faith journey, basically. As they left Mississippi, they left with about 50 people. And during uh, the time of emancipation, people think, oh, this was so great. 
the slaves are free. But um, what also happened with that freedom was that you left a lot of people without any place to stay. They didn't know where they were going to go, um, what was going to happen next. There was a, there was also a lot of fear involved with that. And so what began to happen for them as they journeyed through Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina to get to their promised land in North Carolina, they about 200 people attached themselves to them. So by the time they reached the Appalachian Mountains in in North Carolina, they had like 200 and some people. And by the, the height of their kingdom, I believe there was over 400 people. That, that had homes there and things like that. But the, the journey, they just, it was like found family. And so that also inspired me. I just reading about that and, and learning about the conditions that people were dealing with during that time. If you've never researched at that time, you, you just think, oh, okay, great. And yes, great, because they, they should have been free. But there was really nothing put in place to kind of help them with this new freedom that that they had. And so they had to kind of learn as they go and, and figure and figure their way out. And so along comes William and Luella. And at this time, they're not king and queen yet because they haven't yet found uh, what will become the kingdom of the happy land. But they wanted to help people find their dignity and to find their their happy place. And so the name of it, you mentioned in the book, and was this something you found from your research, how they chose the name? It was based on a song? There was a song. I believe it started based on that song. And, and because I can't go back in history yep. and actually <laughs> speak with them, when I as I was researching the book, I discovered this song that, that was out during that time. And it was called, happy land. And it was, there is a happy land far, far away. And so as I began to look at this, and I, cause I was, cause I wondered why would they call it the happy land? Now, this was a song that was not sung by the enslaved though. This was a song they heard the slave owners and, and their family members uh, singing. And so I imagine that it, it couldn't have been too happy for them to hear it. But as they were journeying, I believe that they were like, you know, now I understand that song because we're going and we're finding our happy land. And so that's how I how I wrote it in the book. So that's such a good example of what I imagine as you doing this detective work, almost trying to put together clues and figure out what happened. So what what sources are there? Like, what were you able to look at? to find out what you were able to find out? There was, for one, I I researched the people who sold them the land. Her name was Sarepta Davis. Her husband was uh, General John Davis, who he had already passed away years before the people from the Kingdom of the Happy Land journeyed there. Sarepta Davis had all this land. And in researching it, I discovered that the minute emancipation occurred, all of the people who were enslaved on her land left. But she is 
described by everyone as this giving woman, uh, this this um, really nice woman. And as you imagine the fact that during this time, she would be willing to sell all this land to these Black people who showed up on her door. Now, they provided a service for her first, but still, she didn't have to sell them the land. So I believe the depiction of her as this nice, benevolent woman. And that's why I wanted I wrote her as that in the book. But I also wanted people to understand that. Then why did all of her formerly enslaved people leave? Yeah. And it is because there is something about being owned. No man or woman should ever be owned by someone else. And that is why. They couldn't stay on that land because they had to go out and seek their own freedom. But that is why then other people would come and they basically took over the the land that that was left by formerly enslaved people. But they took it over as free people. And so so one thing I researched was Sarepta Davis. And I I got to understand her children and and why, you know, because she had so many children, I want to say at least seven. And why none of those children, why didn't they want this land? And so I had to understand that. I researched by going to the deeds office in Hendersonville, because in Hendersonville, there's actually the deeds that show that the people from the kingdom of the happy land bought this land. During this time, of course, women could not sell land. If you know, if you weren't married, you could not sell or buy land. And so, so you have to think Sarepta Davis's husband had already passed away. So on the deed, it is her daughter's name and her daughter's husband's name of selling the land because, you know, she needed a husband in order to sell the land, which was what ended up happening with Queen Luella later on as I don't want to I don't want to give that away because I don't want to tell us I don't want to tell that that part. I'm sorry. No, that's the thing. Like we don't want to spoil the actual book. Correct. And and there was actually a book that was written on the Kingdom of the Happy Land um in 1950. She was a historian out of Hendersonville and she interviewed descendants of the people from the Happy Land. So, and it was hard getting getting a hold of that book. But the only place that has copies of that book called The Kingdom of the Happy Land is a library in Hendersonville. And so one of the people, they copied all the pages and sent it to me. And then I actually went to that particular library. They have it like under lock and key and they opened up like opening the vault (laughs) and they and I saw the book and I took a picture of it next to my book. So I studied I studied her book. Her name is Sadie Patton Smathers, or and sometimes I get it mixed up, so it might be Sadie Smathers Patton. I get I get the two mixed up. So I I studied her her book. There was also articles written in the 1950s out of Asheville, a newspaper. He did a four part series on the Kingdom of the Happy Land people, and it came out weekly. And I was like amazed. I was like, oh, okay. This actually ended up in the newspaper at this time. Outside of that, people didn't 
Generally, no. There was also a court case when there were two kings of the kingdom of the happy land, King William and King Robert. And King Robert, there was a court case based on King Robert. And so you find that information out in the book. So I don't want to tell much about it. But so I was able to find that information too. And that court case provided even more information that I was able to build the story on. So it was, you know, you have to piece together things when you're researching history. And a lot of times, you know, with Black history, going that far back, our information isn't as readily found as other people's history. But thankfully, I was able to piece together a lot of information and able to to write the book with. I love the journey of you being given the gift, like Lisa Wingate alerting you to this story and kind of giving this to you. And then the fact that you were able to find actual things to to research and study, and but still allowing you the room to use your imagination and be the fiction writer that you are to build it up into a story. So did you always know that Luella was going to be the main character, the person who we see this all through her eyes? I did when I when I first began to write it, because when I came back into um, traditional publishing, I came back in as a women's fiction writer. I have something good, what we found in Hallelujah, and my book that just recently um, released, The Light on Halsey Street. They're all women's fiction. And so when I said, okay, I'm going to step into this historical realm, but I still, I wanted it to be historical women's fiction. And so I knew that I was going to be dealing with Queen Luella. And I didn't know the title of the book, though. I thought I turned it in with The Kingdom of the Happy Land. Because because I couldn't, I was like, I don't know what we're going to call this. And it was my publisher came back and they said, Vanessa, how about the, the, the American Queen? And I instantly loved it. I was like, actually, that is what the story is. That's, that's what we wrote. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. The American Queen. Well, and actually that, Brings me to another question. I think it'll be good for you to explain. So the fact they they bought this land, they started the kingdom of the happy land, the fact that they called it a kingdom, that it became a kingdom, that it had a king and a queen. Do you know from your research or just from your kind of figuring it out why they decided to do that instead of just calling it, you know, just a city or a, a regular town, why they made it a kingdom with a king and a queen? Right. I And this is me figuring it out. i believe because you have to understand that when these people were stolen from their homeland and um most of them were they were they were born here the the ones who went over to the kingdom of the happy land but their their ancestors when their ancestors were stolen from their homeland they were stolen from a place where they saw kings and queens and so i believe that, you know, they understood that history in Africa. And so I think what they wanted to do was kind of replicate a kingdom because they knew that their ancestors came from from such a thing. And so that's the way I saw it. And then, oh no, I forget if this was in some of the, the extra writing you have in your book or if I just read it somewhere else, but this is one of only two kingdoms that was ever in like the American continent, right? 
Yes. Well, but you have to understand the the one that was in Hawaii, they were annexed um, as they. So when they came over to America, it was no longer a kingdom. They were a kingdom when they were on their own. So people talk about that kingdom, but that was not the you can't really consider it the first kingdom in America because when we brought them over as part of America, they were no longer a kingdom, if that makes sense. So I consider the kingdom of the happy land the only kingdom in America. I love that. And I love that the king and queen were black people and the yes. <laughs> the only kingdom in America. I, I loved it. I I was amazed at when I when I researched this and and just kind of taking a look at the history of it. And I was amazed at the audacity of of these people formerly enslaved. And you were you had the audacity to call yourself king and queen. And so it it just the whole thing just was like set a fire under me. I, I truly believe that the American Queen is the best thing I've written. And it was because I was just so passionate about it. As I I I, I think this is this is one of the stories I was I was born to write as a writer. I I, I absolutely loved it. And you mentioned I keep because I don't want to spoil the actual content of the book, but I keep remembering things that are in your afterward. And you mentioned some other historical fiction writers who who helped you with this? Because this was a new genre for you. You hadn't written in historical fiction. Is there anyone, any pieces of advice you remember being given from some of the people who you consulted? And now we're just going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Oh, now, now this was a while ago because um, this book was written a couple years ago. But I, I do. Vanessa Riley is a um, historical fiction writer, and so we would sit and talk um, about it because we would we would do like monthly um, group meetings for writers. And so we would all be writing on our project and we would talk about what we're doing. And one of the scenes in the book where I have Queen Luella, where, where the women dress her up and right before her coronation, Vanessa Riley and I talked about that. And because, you know, she's she's the one who who writes all of these with, with these gowns and, and you know, beautiful gowns and things like that. So we talked about it and um, she was able to help me with a site where I could I actually ha- I sat for hours studying each layer of the gown that has to be put on. So I love that. And then Lisa Wingate, the, the thing that she really helped me with was the fact of the she said, Vanessa. Really, if there's any cool words that you want to say while you're writing this book, she said they weren't they weren't said during that time. <laughs> she was like, so you so you have to take them out. And so um, Vanessa Vanessa Riley also um, gave me a site where I could go and type in a word if I have it in my document, and and I was able to see if that word had been used during that time period. And so 
every writer who writes historical needs to um to use that. And it is, I'm not going to be able to call it right now. And so I can get it for you later, though. Yeah, send me an email. I'll put it. I'll put it in the show notes afterwards. Yeah. And so, but but yeah. So I use I use the one Vanessa Riley gave me, and then Chandra Sparks, um, Splon gave me another one, and I really like the one she gave me because it gave a little more detail and things like that. So I'll I'll send you a link to both of those. Yeah, yeah. And they were very helpful. I had to take out so many words. <laughs> in the in the book as I was writing it. But I really think it helped me become better as a historical fiction writer because I really began to understand uh, that I can't write it as a contemporary women's fiction writer that, you know, I also am. And so it's like two different hats you have to put on if you're going to write contemporary or if you're going to write historical. They're, they're ve- both very different. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting just to think about the words that you would instinctively think. And I would imagine even if you're like, oh, this word feels old fashioned, it still isn't old enough. (laughs) It's not old enough. There are some words you you think, oh, I can put this in here. It's it's an older word. And I would go and look it up. And the first time it was used might have been in the 1930s. Well, I'm writing in the 1860s, <laughs> 1870s, 1880s. I had to take it out. And so, so yeah, there were there were a lot of words that I wanted to to have in the book that did not make the cut. Yeah. That's so interesting. But like you said, like that really just kind of not forces you in a negative way, but it really get forces you in a positive way just to really put on that historical fiction writer hat and to really put yourself in this time period and to imagine how would she have said this if she can't say it the way that I would have said it. Yeah. So Luella as a character, you know, without getting into the events of the book, how did you, how did you come? Cause I think when I read the book, her character comes across very well. Like I really feel like I understood what she was like as a person and that's just a credit to your writing. But how did you develop a character when you have, you know, you know, a couple of, you know, some of the events that happened and you kind of know what she did, but how do you turn that into a fully fledged person? What was that process like? Yeah, it was just a lot of, um, I had to really sit and think about her, but the one thing that kept coming up in my research about Queen Luella was that she was a dominant figure. And so I knew that I had to write her as as the basically the controlling factor for for everything that they did or most things because I didn't also I didn't want her husband to be a stooge to her. And so I I had to have him, you know, at times say, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes that's how we are as women. We have to we have to be told, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so just reading about her life and reading about the different things with her husband and and how there was more on him as far as in when they were in Mississippi. So I understood, I knew that he was a son of the slave owner, uh, and so was his brother. I knew that his brother could pass for white, but he couldn't and things like that. But building her was just like 
it was something I just had to sit down and I just built her step by step because I loved everything I was reading about her. And so I wanted her to come across as a dominant figure, but I also wanted her to come across as a compassionate person, as a person who really desired good for other people. And that is one of the reasons why I began the story as I did, because I wanted you to understand her. I wanted the reader to be able to understand why she was the way she was later on in the in the in the book when certain people were ready to leave the kingdom and why she said, well, you know, this is your free will. This is what you um, you're able to do that if if you want to, that she wasn't trying to hold people because of what she went through as a younger woman as what she went through as a child. She never wanted people to experience the things that she experienced. And so it was was a a pleasure to to build her and to to write her because I wanted people to, to see her great compassion and her, especially when I learned that their, their motto was all for one and one for all. And so if you have a motto like that, then you must treat people a certain way. And so, so it was, it was just really, it it was a joy to me to write her. Are there any um, physical, like, are there any, any evidence that this was ever there? Like, were you able to visit the actual land or is there a street named after them or anything like that? Absolutely. There, there is a street that is named, it's called Kingdom Drive. Oh, and it is, yeah. And it is right over where the kingdom once was. And I, I went and I took a picture. I held the book up by yeah, the yeah. sign <laughs> and took a picture of it. Yeah. And I, I was able to walk the land of uh, the kingdom of the happy land. The, the owners that are currently there, they were gracious enough to allow me to come on the land. And it was, it was like something I'd never experienced because writing the story was one thing, but being able to see this. And so I knew that they knocked down all these trees to be able to build their land. So when I'm on this land, I look out and I see all these trees that, that are further, further back. There's there's still plenty of trees um, that were further back. And I'm like, these are the trees that I was talking about. These are these are the ones, um, part of the ones that were that were knocked down and in the land. And then I'm able to see the, the this trail that that their wagons uh would would drive into the land and out of the land on. It was it was a beautiful experience. I I am just for just grateful that I was able to go and walk the land. And, and whenever you write historical, if you're able to go and and visit, I think it's it's just so important for that. I'm I'm actually taking a visit to Tulsa in in March for another story that I'm writing because even though it's it's a, a hundred and some years later, you still want to be able to to see it 
and to to kind of say, okay, this was the street. This was this was how this was, and that was what I was able to do on the Kingdom of the Happy Land. Just be able to say, this is how the land was. Uh, this is this is you know this is how you come into the Kingdom of the Happy Land, and you know, and it was as I described, and so I was I was very happy about that. It's so lovely because I hear it like. Um... I had Vanessa Riley on my podcast a while ago when she did her last book about um, uh, Queen Charlotte. No, Queen. Oh, I forget her name. But the Queen of Haiti, the the last one that she just did. Yeah, Queen of Exiles. Was Queen the of book. Exiles was the book. Yeah, yeah. And so she said, like, she went to you know London and all these places. And so she travels to the places where her books take place. But I think um, American history is also important to share in a different way. So it's lovely that you're able to go to see these historical sites that people don't know about in America, which is a country where um, I'm in Canada. So I don't know a lot about American history, but you know, what I hear about are just the same things over and over again. But there's stories like this one, like the kingdom of the happy land that people don't know. And you could go to that place and you can share this story. And I think that's so important to sort of fill in those gaps, fill in the blanks of what, what the history is of this country. Yes. And that's what I tried to do. I wanted people to be able to picture it. And so we went and we took tons of pictures. I I did a video of me just standing on the land. And so I've I've shown it and I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll reshow it as the book is getting ready to release and things like that, because I think it's important that people know that this was this was true. They really did own this land and and they chose to call it the kingdom of the happy land and i mean and they and the research shows that they really did have thrones uh and so they and that's why i put it in i put it in the book their thrones and the, and you know they they held court and so it was kingdom so this episode is coming out just before well tell everybody when your book is published and then by the time they hear this, they'll be able to buy the book. So tell everybody when your book is published and kind of where they can, what events you're going to be doing and things like that. The American Queen releases on January the 30th, 2024. And I am traveling basically um, through North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama uh, on my tour for the American Queen. And so um, all of my dates, and I have a lot of uh, that schedule, is on, my, is on my website. But the first event on January 30th will be at Barnes & Noble uh, at, at the Pineville Mall uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you, if you live in Charlotte, North Carolina, come on out. Uh, that event begins at 6.30 p.m. I want to see everybody there as, as much as possible. Um, so that we kick off this tour in a in a great way, because I want as many people as possible to know about this great queen, Queen Luella. And I keep saying, long may she reign in your heart. Well, and I'm sure that this was intentional, but like February, Black History Month, this is when your book is coming out. So I think Absolutely. that's a time of year when when this history is celebrated. And I love that because of your research in your book, now there's this new figure Luella, but also William, also the kingdom of the happy land. It's a new, a new story for people to, to learn about in terms of American black history. Absolutely. And so, and that's why we, I truly hope that during this time I'm able to get out and I'm able to, um, spread the word about, uh, about them, 
as much as possible. Um, even past Black History Month, uh, we have um, Women's History Month in March um, also. And so I want to be spreading the word about Queen Luella in um, during Women's History Month as well, you know. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your book. Um, as I said, I read it and I thought it was so it was so captivating. I think I sat down and read it all all in one go. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but it was I was just like, what's going to happen next? Because it's the mixture of like the history itself, because I never knew that mm-hmm. story, as I don't think very many people do. But also I thought that just your writing style and the characterization of Luella, it was just really, it really all comes together. And I'm I'm really, I'm happy I got to talk to you about it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad you enjoyed the story. It was it was a joy for me to write uh, this story. And I'm sure people can see that through through the writing of it. Thank you so much for joining me today. So The American Queen by Vanessa Miller comes out. Well, it's already out when you're listening to this. Publication date was January 30th, 2024. So you can track Vanessa and see where she is at all these events that she's going to be doing. Um, Her website is vanessamiller.com and there's all the information is there. You can find it. She's also on social media. And um, I did put the, she sent me afterwards um, the links to those websites she's talking about where you can look up how old a word is and then just put those in the show notes for this podcast if you're a historical fiction author also and you're curious to know the age of various different words and so yeah so this podcast you can keep following us i'm on instagram at vulgar history pod and if you want to get in touch with me if you have a suggestion for an episode that you'd like a person you think would be interesting for me to talk to or a historical figure think you that i should talk about or learn about you can get in touch with me at vulgarhistorypod at gmail.com, or I also have a form on my website, which is vulgarhistory.com. Um, there's a form there where you can email me as well. We also have merch available at vulgarhistory.com slash store. Or if you're outside the US, you can the shipping is a bit better if you use vulgarhistory.redbubble.com. We also have a Patreon. If you support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash Writer. So for $1 a month, you get early ad-free access to all episodes of this podcast. And then if you pledge $5 or more per month, you get access to bonus episodes that are only on the Patreon. So that's things like we have the after show, where sometimes I just go a bit deeper with some of the guests who we talk to. I also do Vulgar Peace Theater, where I talk with Alison Epstein and Lana Wood Johnson about costume dramas from history. Our most recent one uh, that we've just recorded by the time you're hearing this is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which you might think like, is that a costume drama? And I would say, why not? Anyway, there's also episodes there. I'm talking about terrible men from history in episodes called So This Asshole. And anyway, that's all there if you pledge the $5 or more on Patreon. And also transcripts of recent episodes are available at vulgarhistory.com. Thank you to Evelyn Malik for providing these transcripts. And we'll be back next week. And actually, I'll tell you right now, we'll be back next week and all the month of February, basically, with uh, more Black history content. So until next time, my friends, keep your pants on and your tits out. Vulgar History is hosted, written, and researched by Anne Foster and edited by Christina Lumagi. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast.
I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.